family and to grow into them. Um, the third graders will be receiving their third grade Bible, which is a long-standing tradition in the Methodist Church and in uh, churches throughout the world, especially in, at West End as well. And so they will be getting that Bible in a few minutes. I'm going to call the names of the three and four-year-olds first. They will be in alphabetical order. So when, she, when you hear your name, if you'll come to the middle, one of the pastors will bring your Bible to you. And then we will... Um, and after we, we'll do the three and four-year-olds, and then the third graders, and then we'll pray as a congregation over all of them, okay? So, Tristan counts. She's 11. Eloise dabs. Oh, and three and four-year-olds, make sure you use two hands. These Bibles are very heavy. Wesley Donald. George Durst. He's here. They're coming. Margot Goodrich. Piper Hardesty. Nope. All right. Hudson Landry. Charlotte Malloy. William Marigza Yo. Roscoe Morrison. Carolyn Riley. Savannah Shelton. Ann Blair Snyder. Rich Snyder. He's right there. All right. Congratulations to all our three and four year olds and our third graders, Noah Bacher. Mason Chen. He's over there. William Durst. Amelia Fazio. Jackson Pickle Simmer. Simon Schaefer. Yeah. 
Caroline Thompson. And Carter Wiseman. Congratulations to all our third graders. All right, now let me make sure there's not anybody that I missed who's standing up here. Excellent, all right. So let us bless these children together. Receive the word of God, learn its stories and study its words. Its stories belong to us all and these words speak to us all. They tell us of God's love, they tell us who we are, they tell us that we belong to one another, for we are the people of God. Holy God, we thank you for each of these children before us. We rejoice in this step in their faith journey. We love them and we ask your blessing on them and the adults who care for them. Lord, may they all experience your love as they discover together the stories of scripture. We pray that the stories will light up their path and help them grow to be the people you created them to be. We ask that your word would live in their hearts all their days. Amen. All right, so if you are three, four, or five, you can meet me at that door for Children's Church. Everyone else can return to your seats. Um, and families, make sure you stop by Reed Hall and get a gift bag at, after the service. Congratulations to everyone. If this isn't a sign of hope, and God's amazing work in our midst, I don't know what is. I'm so excited to see all of these children and to know that each one of them is getting their very own Bible from this congregation. So thank you for celebrating them. And I ask that you would continue to keep them in your prayers as they continue their faith journeys. And just to give a little secret, you might want to be getting your own Bibles ready because next year, in 2023, the plan is for us to read the Bible through together. So just a little hint. So go ahead and get your school supplies ready. Uh, we're all going to be diving in uh, together next year. But this morning, we are in the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter, looking at two parables that Jesus told about things that were lost and things that were found. About 20 years ago, one of the favorite restaurants David and I enjoyed going to was called Mirror in 12th South. Do any of y'all remember Mirror? It was like one of the first restaurants to open up in 12th South. There was this really cool woman there named Stephanie who must have been one of the managers, but she was often tending the bar, and she was the one who picked all the music that was playing in the background. Great taste in music. I loved Stephanie's music. So one night, David and I were sitting there at dinner, and this song came on, and I was like, oh, suddenly transported back to 1990. And I knew this song, it was on a CD that I had, because we had CDs in the 90s, and I knew it was the last song of the CD, but for the life of me, I could not figure out who the group was. I was racking my brain. I know this song, and I thought, well, I'll just ask Stephanie at the end of the night. Well, of course, the waiter came and took our orders, and we got into conversation and all of these things, and I forgot to ask Stephanie. 
Next thing I know, the restaurant's closed, and I cannot find this song. That was 20 years ago. Fast forward. About two years ago, in the depth of the lockdown, when you try to make fun in whatever ways you can, David and I were cooking dinner and trading off playing songs for each other. And then we were listening to the radio. I can't remember how it came on, but a song came on, not the song, but a song came on that was by this same group, I thought. And I was like, wait, I think I know this group. And it was the Stone Roses. <gasps> That's it. It's the Stone Roses. So I went and looked at their CD that came out around my senior year of college. And there it was, the last song, a nine-minute song called Fool's Gold, best song ever. And I had found it. And you can ask David. I was like jumping around the kitchen. I was so excited. A song that I had lost. At one point, it had been part of my catalog. And then I lost it. And it took me 30 years to find it again, but now it is on Spotify, and with the touch of a finger, I can play it anytime I want to. Now, that's a silly example in a lot of ways, but it gives me a window of understanding, just a glimpse of the kind of joy Jesus is talking about in these parables. Chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel actually has three parables the lost sheep, the lost coin, And then the whole rest of the chapter tells the story of the lost son, the parable we call the prodigal son. And all of these parables end with rejoicing. Something is found and there is a big party that gets thrown. And my little experience with this little song just gave me a glimpse of that kind of joy you feel when you find something that's been lost. Of course, we know Jesus isn't talking about songs or coins or sheep. He's talking about people. Finding people who have felt cut off from God, who have felt cut off from the community of love and faith, who have felt isolated and lost. And so what he does in these parables, before we can get to the party, to the jumping up and down in the kitchen and rejoicing moment, He invites us to consider what it means to be lost, what it feels like to be lost, and how many different ways people, people like us, can get lost. I was reading a commentary early this week, and we were talking about the behavior of sheep and how easy it is for a sheep to get lost. They're not the smartest animals in the world, and... They can get to chewing on the grass and just focus on the little patch of green in front of them, feeding their appetites, filling their stomachs, and then at some point might look up and realize they're alone. But when a sheep gets lost, it won't cry out. It doesn't bleat. It doesn't do anything to participate in its own rescue. What it does is just curl up in a ball and hide out of fear. And I wonder if we know what that feels like when we get lost, when we feel isolated and alone and cut off from God and cut off from others. Maybe we too have that tendency to just curl up in a ball and be immobilized. There are lots of different ways to get lost. We see some of them in the parables themselves. It all starts because there are religious authorities, some Pharisees and scribes who are grumbling 
Because Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors and sinners are coming nearer to Jesus and listening. They're turning toward God and it's making these religious folks mad. And so Jesus tells these stories and suggesting that these tax collectors and sinners are those who have been lost and are now being found. Now a tax collector in Jesus' day would have been someone who was a Jew himself, but who had decided to collaborate with the occupying Roman army and collect taxes for Rome from his own people. And many times tax collectors would charge extra so that they could line their pockets and get rich. And so their people saw them as those who were taking advantage of them, participating in the oppression of their own people for the sake of profit. So perhaps they were sheep who were eating the grass of of greed and power and self-preservation at the expense of their own people. And it had taken them down a path to lead them to isolation and maybe even feeling separated from God. Their own choices, their own behavior had gotten them lost. Now, I don't know exactly what is meant by sinners in this passage, tax collectors and sinners, but one of the ways I interpret that perhaps is that these are folks who've been labeled as sinners, as unworthy because of what they've done or who they are or whatever, the religious authorities have decided they're sinners, they're not worthy to be in the synagogue, they're not worthy to be included, they are certainly not approved of by God and we shouldn't hang out with them because they threaten our own purity. And so I think about those who might feel lost because of labels others have put on them. Someone else has decided that they're not worthy and they don't belong and that God is displeased with them. And so they feel lost and cut off. There are other ways that we get lost. Maybe some that you've experienced. I have a dear friend who recently lost someone that she loved very much. And I was talking to her, checking in with her, and she said, you know, I don't know what I believe anymore. I, I don't know where God is. I just, I feel like I'm walking around in a fog. Her grief had just covered her in this fog, and all she could do was eat the little patch of grass that was in front of her. And one day she looked up and realized she was disoriented and didn't know where she was, feeling cut off from God and from the people of God. Sometimes things happen to us in life, the death of a loved one, a divorce, the loss of a job, the crumbling of an institution we have loved, whatever it may be, a pandemic, and we feel disoriented and we just don't know where God is and we feel lost. That's a very real human experience for many of us. For others of us, perhaps, we find ourselves lost just because we've been going about the daily grind of living life and the routines and going to work and doing our responsibilities and just falling asleep to our souls. Waking up one morning and realizing, I don't know where God is. I don't feel connected to myself or to anybody. And it's nothing major has happened. I just kind of lost my way. 
many other ways to get lost, but the only other one I want to highlight this morning is, is back in the text. And it's this great irony of this whole story. We have these religious authorities who are grumbling because Jesus is welcoming tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus is talking about those who are lost. And you got to wonder, who's actually lost in this scenario? The tax collectors and the sinners are drawing near to Jesus. They are repenting. They're turning toward God through what they're hearing in Jesus. What if it's actually the Pharisees and the scribes who are grumbling who are far from God? What if it is they who are cut off from the blessings of God? Perhaps it's a sign. The fact that they're not rejoicing, that it's not good news to them that there are sinners who are repenting, it's not good news to them that there are people that are being found, maybe they are the ones who've turned their back on God. Which brings us to the parable of the prodigal son. Which is, if you know that parable, you know the younger brother goes out on his own, spends all this money of his father's money, gambling and drinking and following his own pleasure. And then he goes broke, is destitute, desperate, and he comes back home. And his father welcomes him. He's not worried about what happened. He's just glad to have his son back home. And then there's the older brother, like these religious authorities who've been following all the rules, who've been obeying their father, who feel like they've done everything they're supposed to do. And there's a party going on because the younger brother has come home and the older brother just doesn't want any part of it. He's standing outside. And even though his father comes to him and says, everything I have is yours, please come into the party you're always with me, and I'm always with you. The story is left open. The question is, will he come to the party? And so at the end of all three of these parables, we have some bad news, some good news, really good news, and an invitation. The bad news in some ways is that at some point, most of us along the way will get lost. We'll lose our way for whatever reason, maybe because of our own choices, maybe because of what other people say about us or do to us, maybe because of what happens to us in our lives, maybe because we just fall asleep in the routines of life, or maybe we're because we're so convinced that we're right, that we can't rejoice in the mercy and compassion of God. So at some point, most of us will get lost here and there. But the good news, the good news is that we have a God who will never stop seeking and searching and pursuing us and every one of God's children. God is not satisfied with 99% out of 100 it's not good enough. God will not rest or rejoice until all of God's children are at the table. And so there's the invitation to be those who are ready at any moment to throw a party and to join in the party, to join God in that work of seeking and searching the lost and of rejoicing when they return. 
There is a party going on in the church. The world needs to know. And everyone's invited. Thanks be to God.